You are listening to the Work in Esports podcast, a podcast where we chat with people who work in various roles around the esports industry and find out about their experiences. From casters to content creators to company founders, we are here to tell their stories. We explore their inspirations, how they got started, gained experience, and so much more. The goal of this podcast is to help provide context and maybe even offer you some practical advice for how you can get started yourself. So if you or someone you know is interested in working in the esports industry, you're in the right place. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Spencer Bing, and today we have a very special guest, the co-founder of Ateo, which has been coined the Nike of esports, Brianne Harrison-Pollock. Um, thank you for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. Uh, I'd like to start by asking a bit more about you. Can you tell me a bit about where you're from? Yeah, I'm originally from Saskatoon, which is a small city kind of in the middle of Canada. Um, I grew up there. Um, so, yeah, I kind of have prairie roots to me. Very nice. Very nice. And um, have you been interested in games for most of your life? Or um, I guess where does the, the interest in esports originally stem? Was there like a moment for you where you're like, oh, I really want to work in esports? Yeah, so my brother played a lot of games growing up, but I wasn't really so much a part of it, but I definitely peripherally kind of knew what was going on. It wasn't until a lot later when Rachel and I started spending a lot of time in New York and we'd come across these little gaming cafes that I kind of was like, that's so interesting. What's happening here? I spent a, started to spend a lot of time there and really then from there learned what esports really meant and what the community meant. And then I think the moment it really clicked for me is we went to TwitchCon, I guess four or five years ago, the first San Diego one. And when I saw everyone in person meeting their favorite streamers, meeting their best friends, meeting their community, it was like kind of a mind blowing moment for me about how passionate this community was. And I just knew I had to be a part of it. Could you tell us a little bit about your background? So I have a degree in fashion design. I grew up dreaming of designing for Prada and high couture and things like that. That's what I thought my path would be. So after college, I went and worked at a Ritzia, which is a Canadian fashion company kind of doing women's wear. Um, and on the side, Rachel and I designed a luxury fashion line. Um, and it was pretty traditional fashion, all those things. And that's exactly like what we wanted but it wasn't really that impactful. We weren't really excited by what we were doing. It felt like, you know, nobody really needs another dress in the world. Um, how can we, we, there's not really a way to, to make this that meaningful. Um, and that's when, you know, we kind of stumbled upon esports. That's really fascinating. Um, now, when you kind of stumbled upon it, did you find there was like, what particularly interested you in it? Um, I mean, the community aspect is why I fell in love with esports but when we first found out about it we were yeah going to these gaming cafes and we would see people sitting there i mean it's in new york so winter time you're cold like gaming in big jackets for hours at a time because they're freezing or like using hand warmers or things like that and it just didn't make any sense for for me so we started doing research what clothes exist what's happening of course we come from a fashion background so that's our immediate kind of thing we take notice of um, and we realized that there was no clothing line that was really geared towards gamers and in, in technical apparel. There was the screen printed t-shirts, 
and things like that, but nothing that had really taken the time to look at gaming and help kind of solve problems through apparel. And so you've identified this as a challenge, um, like, you know, something, something that has not really been addressed before. Um, what was it like trying to, um, to reach out to people in the industry? Or at what point did you kind of figure out what the early solution looked like? Yeah, I mean, we spent a lot of time doing that. And I would say, like, for the first three years of us doing this, everyone told us we were crazy. Um, and so I think it was difficult to get good feedback and difficult to get people to take us seriously because everyone was like, oh, gamers don't need a, a special sweatshirt. Like, they're fine. They don't need special pants. They're totally fine. Um, so it was really like we had to be really persistent and we would go back to the gaming cafes every weekend. We'd take them a new sample. And I think once people started to see how seriously we're, we were taking it, um, they started to really pay attention and give us great feedback and were super helpful. And we spent a lot of time like just DMing people on LinkedIn to try and somehow get them to have a conversation with us. Um, and eventually we got through to a few people. And once we kind of talked through our idea, um, they were really supportive of it. Um, and it was the first time anyone had been, you know, really supportive, like, yes, I've actually been thinking about this, the industry does need this, um, and kind of gave us you know, a start on making some connections. But it was really difficult to begin with. Nobody wanted to talk to us about a sweatshirt for gaming. Very interesting, very interesting. And at what point in time uh, did you decide to make the move to Los Angeles? Um, well, when we went to TwitchCon, so I guess about a year into when we start, started, when we went to TwitchCon um, from the East Coast to the West Coast. We ended up staying on the West Coast for like two or three months um, without really thinking we were going to. So we were kind of living out of carry-on suitcases and we were finding a bunch of random gaming events around San Francisco, LA, and we would drive to them every weekend. And um, during the week, we'd spend time looking for factories. So it was kind of this intense three-month period of factories and gaming, which was kind of a funny dichotomy. But we just realized that like we needed to be right where gaming was happening and that it was really important for us to go to these events. Um, we first of all loved it. And second of all, like we wanted to talk to our customers. We didn't want to be in this silo in this New York apartment designing clothes for, you know, and totally missing the point. So we packed up all our apartment. We found an apartment on Craigslist. Um, we did not see it at all. We rented and we moved to New York and we had basically no money. We didn't really know anyone. Um, and we just kind of started working and chipping away at it bit by bit. Wow. Um, that's, that's incredible. Um, now, what, what did your early day-to-day -day look like? Like you made the move to Los Angeles. Um, you had already scouted, you know, some factories uh, and had done a lot of connecting in the in those you know two or three months you said um, what did your day-to-day -day look like when you first arrived so I spent a lot of time focusing on product which I still do so my time was spent going to different factories um, going to places to find fabric looking at trim suppliers um, that part of it actually took a really long time we care a lot about quality as well as factory standards and sometimes factories in LA, the standards can be worse than overseas. 
So we were really, really picky about who we wanted to work with. Um, and we were also really excited to get going. And normally you have to book time months in advance. So we were search searching for someone um, who would take us immediately. And then Rachel spent a lot of time, you know, figuring out the community aspect and what did we want our brand to look like? And what players did we want to work with? Who did we want to form kind of connections with? Who did we think was a really good match to work with? Um, and so we both kind of worked separately and would come back and reconvene. And then I think we also probably spent a good four weeks just brainstorming the name Mateo, which was a really big challenge. Um, and that, yeah, that probably it took at least a month to get there. And can you tell me a little bit more about the name and maybe its meaning? Yeah, so we wanted a name that we could own and that didn't have a meaning to it already. We wanted to create our own meaning. Um, and we also didn't have that much money. So we wanted to be able to buy the .com for not very much. And so we kind of started playing around. We loved the five-letter name. That was really important to us. We started just playing around with letters that we liked. We liked the T and the E and the Y um, and slowly started to kind of puzzle piece everything together. And then I think we started with a T E. Maybe there was an I in there somewhere and that .com was gone. And we finally found Ateo and got it for $10. So we were sold. $10. That's, that's a great deal. It's a great deal for a five-letter.com. We were so, so excited. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, nice find. Congratulations on that. And man, <laughs> you get, so, you, so you've, you've come a, a pretty long way. What's your day-to-day -day look like uh, today? Kind of like how has that evolved? Um, it's kind of different every day, but it's definitely evolved from when we first started. I think I spend less time on product now than I did in the beginning. We've kind of refined the products a lot and we're pretty happy with where they're at. Um, so I would say I spend some of my time working on new products, finding new fabrics, things like that. Um, a lot of my time is spent on projects we're doing or fixing the website or planning for 2021. Um, I'm kind of the planner and Rachel's more spontaneous, which is a good match. Um, and Rachel spends a lot of time on our community and social and kind of outward partnerships, but it's kind of all hands on deck here. We're kind of just doing whatever needs to be done on that day. Very cool. Um, can you tell me maybe uh, what's your favorite part of the work you get to do? Yeah, that's a great question. I think I love new challenges and I love learning things. And so for me, that having my job change all of the time is really, I, I just really enjoy it. I love being super immersed in something and learning something new. And then I think I've, I've really enjoyed finding a community within gaming. I didn't really expect it as much, um, but it doesn't feel like it's just Rachel and I in the silo. It really feels like there's this community of people around us that are involved and supporting and have really become such a big part of my life. Um, and so it feels more like just a business at this point, but it's really nice to have, be surrounded by, by community. Hmm. That's such a, such a great point. Um, the gaming community is such a strong thing. And even, even here, uh, for me, I used it as a good way to, to kind of feel settled in a new place when I moved to Berlin. Uh, and I'm still able to, you know, connect with people online and, and uh, relate via games uh, in a new place, which is kind of cool. 
Yeah, it's really cool. And I think there the gaming community has been so welcoming to us. And I'm kind of the same as you. I don't have family in LA. Like my friends are my family. And like, it's people you spend Thanksgiving with and you do the Christmas parties with and all those things that like really make life meaningful. Um, and Ateo's given that to me. So I'm really grateful. That's really great, especially around the you know the holidays. That's a that's a really nice message. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and oh, go ahead. Th this year, especially, we're all grateful for the amazing people we have around us. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, can I ask you what skills uh, you you might find most useful in like your? I mean, you have many roles, but um, like in in starting the company, I guess, and then also like in some of the projects that you work on or some of the designing, like what skills do you find are most valuable for you? Um, I think generally being really good at researching is really important because, um, which might sound like kind of a funny skill, but I think if you're taking on tasks that you've never done before, being able to kind of find the information you need and learn how to complete the task um, I think is actually a really, really important part of my job. Um, I think like, like just even getting good at writing emails and knowing how to do a sales pitch and negotiation and all these things that like, I mean, I went to fashion design school. I did not know that, you know, these were the hard skills that I, your soft skills that I needed, but they're, I mean, they come into play definitely on a daily basis when I'm, you know, negotiating with our manufacturer or things like that they're really, really important. Um, and then even dealing with, you know, people who are investors or something like that is, is a really hard skill to learn, but it's really important. Okay. So you, uh, Ateo has been around for what, around two years now? Um, I think it'll be three years this spring. Awesome. Awesome. Very cool. Um, what is something you've learned, um, in the last year? Oh, wow. Last year has taught me a lot. I think the last four months have really proven to me how much like persistence really does pay off. And that if you kind of just keep going and you can make it through the struggles, there is some kind of light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I think that being flexible in how, they, how you think about things and what your plan is and instead of just going to a North Star that you've, you know, written on the whiteboard, really taking notice of what's happening in the world and what the world really needs versus just kind of throwing your idea to the world. I think it's, I've definitely learned. I mean, I love a plan, but I've learned to be super flexible this year. Um, and I guess, yeah, it's all, yeah, how much teamwork is really important in getting stuff done, being able to work at your work relationships and um, successfully, you know, navigate any hard spot. Awesome. And um, what has been some of the most, uh, maybe the ch most challenging part of, of starting Ateo, or maybe even just in the last year, like what's um, been the most challenging part of your work? You, I guess you touched on it a little bit, but. I think continuing to stay really self-motivated, you know, even when things aren't going very well or you're having a hard day or, you know, this big disaster happens and you think there's no way out of it to be self-motivated to get up the next day and go back and look at your emails and like take on that challenge. Um, that's just, I mean, I feel like it's just kind of a learned skill, but it's definitely really difficult. 
and something that I've definitely worked at. Um, and then Rachel and I talk about this a lot is that when things are hard, being able to separate that from your personal life, or you could still go out on Friday night and have a drink and you're not totally consumed by it. Um, to be able to separate those things is really important. Hmm. And how important was, has, um, that connection that you have with Rachel, with your co-founder, how important has that been? Oh, I mean, life changing. I mean, it's hard to even describe. I think Rachel and I are like um, almost more like a married couple than co-founders. I mean, I've been with her in the past five years on this really crazy journey that is pretty hard to sometimes describe to people. And it's pretty amazing to have this friend that I've been able to do it with that really deeply understands, deeply knows me. Um, and that's someone I really trust. I mean, that's really important. And I blindly, you know, trust her decisions and, and trust how she thinks. And, you know, even if I'm frustrated with a decision, I totally trust that, you know, she has my interest and Mateo's interest um, in mind. So I've been really lucky to have this kind of partner to, to do all of this with. Hmm. And like when you interact together, like, is there any, what does the majority of your interaction look like? Or I guess what to, in present day and like current Ateo, what does it look like when you're uh, working together? Is there or also, I guess further, is there anybody else that you, that works within the company that uh, you engage with regularly who uh, kind of provides something? Yeah, so Rachel and I have decided we've basically formed our own quarantine pod and we've been going into the office together, which has been a really nice break from things and kind of let us focus. Um, so most of our interaction is pretty in-person. We try and schedule meetings so that we're not just, you know, interrupting each other all the time and set a few, you know, boundaries that makes it all easier for all of us to operate. Um, but it's a lot of day-to-day -day stuff. I mean, a lot of it is just kind of solving problems that come up. I think that's like a really big part of what being a founder looks like is you're just basically problem solving all day. Um, and then we do have a production manager that works with us and some other people, but they're all working remotely now. Um, so most of our communication is done on Slack or email or FaceTime. But we, we've been trying to, you know, make it as... <laughs> like as much of a community as we can during this time but yeah we've tried to put in rules into place about communication so things are a bit more structured um so it's not just you know random text flying all over the place yeah definitely have to stay focused especially in times like the present state of the world um totally it makes it more complicated if, if you're kind of just interrupting each other all the time yeah and i think that I've noticed everyone's memory isn't as good lately. Like I think people are just overwhelmed and forgetting more. I've definitely been more forgetful. And so like having an easy place to go back and look in what the meeting, what, what was said in the meeting, like just makes everyone's life easier. So we've worked to, to make that um, happen over the last few years. Very efficient and a uh, very reasonable thing. Um... <laughs> um, can you tell me about maybe a per personal sacrifice you've made to work in esports or to found your company? Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I think I haven't really had a normal life as a 28 year old. I've spent my 20s building a business, which I'm grateful for and I wouldn't trade for anything. But 
I didn't do the like going out every night to dinner or I don't know, making friends at a soccer club or things like that. Cause I basically just worked. Um, I'm still lucky that I have great friends here from college and people that I've met working, but I've definitely given up a lot of those kind of like normal life experiences. Um, and then I've also, you know, I haven't seen my family that much. They live in Canada. They're great. They want to come visit, but like, I can't take two weeks off, you know, in the summer or the winter, um, to go see them. That's difficult still for us. Um, and so uh, yeah, I've definitely sacrificed having, having time with them, but, you know, trying, trying to fit it in where I can. Yeah, that is, that is a big struggle, especially being a, a transplant to uh, Los Angeles. I found it very challenging as well. I only, in the three years I lived there, I was only able to visit back uh, in the Michigan once back to the, visit the family and all that. Yeah. Um, and that was, that was challenging. It, Luckily, my younger sister came out to visit me once, so that kind of helped balance that a little bit. But still, it's a, it's a big trip, and also uh, considering how much you're probably working, if somebody does come to visit, it's also difficult to balance that time with them and then how much you're actually working, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, life looks different here than it does in Michigan or in Saskatoon. So even getting people to understand your reality when you're talking to them on a day-to-day -day basis I think it's just challenging I think my parents are so supportive but I don't know that they really understand what my day-to-day -day is or when I'm talking about all these things so yeah it's just just a bit of a weirder life than some people yeah I think that's I think that is you're definitely not alone I think it's true across the board um, for especially people working in esports in general or working um, in just in, industries in general that, uh, you know, like most people don't have so much exposure to, I think um, you can explain, I can explain something as best as I could to my parents and they'll still ask me about it. Uh, you know, like the, every single time I visit, like, oh, what, what's that you're doing again? You're making video games? Not quite. But... <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. Um, they're trying though all the they, parents are they trying. do they do and, they, and they, <laughs> they definitely still are in my corner and uh it's cool to hear that you know that's the same for you yeah do you have a like a personal kpi or is there something that you how do you calculate success um good question i think i really really care about product that's really important to me so i strive to you know basically get five star reviews from anyone who touches our product um, if I don't get a five-star review, I'm following up and figuring out exactly why. And I'll obsess about the zipper that they said didn't work totally correct. Um, that's definitely my KPI. And then I think we have a pretty active discord. Um, and so looking at, you know, who's speaking in there and how often people are engaging and what's the tone like and those kind of things, I think we kind of use as a, as a KPI as well. Um, as well as how many people repurchase. That's a really important number to us. We don't want you to just come and buy a sweatshirt once. We want you to love the sweatshirt. We want you to hopefully come back and buy the sitters. Um, and so we're always kind of monitoring those things. Um, and then personally, I'm really not competitive with other people, but I'm really competitive with myself. Um, and so if I, you know, think that, you know, the email or the phone call I did wasn't as good as the last one I did, then I'm taking note of that and, you know, figuring out where I went wrong and how I can do better because I always want to be improving on my own. Hmm. So kind of like kind of uh, further along that line, are there any like 
tools or tips or programs or methods you use to stay organized other than kind of just taking note? Yeah, I definitely read a lot of books and highlight the books um, and go back to the passages, maybe as a like, you know, reminder of things. That's really important to me. Um, and then, yeah, I learn and I do best by, you know, taking notes in a notebook and keeping that notebook on my table. And, you know, if I need to recall that conversation I had or what didn't quite go correctly, I can look back on that. Um, that's been really important. And then I listen to a lot of other podcasts or, you know, audiobooks or things like that. So I can constantly kind of be, you know, learning and, um, you know, figuring out different strategies for how to handle things. We talked about your relationship with Rachel a little bit and how that works. Um, but are you mostly working with your team internally or do you have like um, somebody that you need to kind of go back and forth with um, like the like the factories and stuff, how does that sort of relationship work? Yeah, I work directly more with the factories than Rachel does. So that's definitely an important part of Ateo. Um, I think manufacturing is just always quite challenging. So it's definitely a really challenging part of the business. Um, so, you know, those conversations aren't always that friendly. You know, someone's made a mistake and this is a problem and, you know, negotiating with them on how to fix that. Um, and then Rachel does a lot of our kind of partnership outside conversations. So she's talking with, you know, collaboration partners or potential wholesale suppliers or, you know, talent agencies we want to work with. Um, and so we've just kind of chosen to divide it up kind of externally and internally. Um, so there's just clear division of work. Speaking of like a clear division of work, um, how important or is this even something you think about? Uh, how important is like your work-life balance? Or like, how do you, how do you manage, um, you know, like founding a company, uh, getting it off the ground, uh, making sure everything's stable, getting everything out the door, um, making sure it's successful, making sure people are happy with also staying happy yourself and kind of being, um, you know, in a good place mentally and physically and some place you want to be. Yeah, that's something that I'm working on a lot. It's really hard for me. I just want to work all the time. And when there's something to do, it kind of nags at me. But I definitely have realized over the past five or five years, three years, like I'm a way better person, a better, better co-founder, better manager if I, you know, sleep and I exercise and I eat properly. So I've definitely learned to make those a priority, even if it just, you know, makes me better at the tasks I need to do that day. Um, and then I've tried to, you know, on Friday nights, I want to turn off my phone and like have some fun and not look at my text messages or emails or anything, like really take a bit of a break. But it's definitely something that Rachel's much better at than I am, that I've kind of been learning from her how to properly do self-care, um, you know, see friends, do stuff outside of work, um, all of those things that are, are very important. Hmm. And um, do you have any tips, kind of making a bit of a jump here, uh, do you have any tips for like networking? Um, like how, is, how has it been trying to connect with the other, you, you touched on a little bit, like connecting with other, uh, with like teams or pro players or uh, et cetera. Like how's it been uh, networking in the esports industry? And do you have any tips for people who are trying to either, um, you know, partner with, with brands or teams or whatever, or just get their own brand off the ground? 
Yeah, um, I think it's a really important part of our industry and it's definitely challenging. Um, I think my answer to that would be to go to all the events you can go to, which is a really hard answer right now. I think when eventually events come back, we found that to be the most helpful thing. Um, and then being brave about approaching people and just saying, hey, this is who I am. Love what you do. Here's a little bit about me. Um, and not being shy to kind of take that initiative. I think that there have been a lot of cool discords. And I know there's a thing called gig that happens on Friday. Um, that is, you know, kind of a networking event for gaming. And so we've tried to show up to those kind of things when we can't do the in-person events. Um, and then I think getting really involved in your local scene is also a great way to meet people. Um, so if you're, I don't know, helping to plan a land party or, you know, going to a school and doing things, I think that the more you kind of get out and do something in gaming or esports, the more you're going to kind of learn and meet and make connections. The inspiration to, uh, for me to actually get involved in esports was actually as a result of one of those events, right? It was uh, Red Bull Battlegrounds in Detroit in like 2014, and I was just like so in awe of the the production value, but not just the production value, but like the intimacy of the event. Like it was very, it felt like everyone was reachable. Like I could talk to anybody. I could talk to the casters. I could talk to the pro players, talk to the other um, other fans or other you know people watching. And I could also talk to like the producers, the people putting on the show. And I was able to inquire a lot with them directly, which is something you almost would never find in like traditional entertainment. Like you go to a concert or you go to a, a sports a sporting event and there's very, you're, you'd be very lucky to have conversations with anybody on, on that kind of level, um, just attending the event. So I think eSports really offers some unique uh, yeah. networking access. One of the first events Rachel and I ever went to was the Halo World Championships in Maybe it was like 2016 or 2017. It's kind of like an infamous event for how badly it was put on. But we met at this hotel and then we drove over in vans. I don't know why, but we ended up in vans with one of the teams, which was like kind of so surreal and felt kind of funny. But yeah, the event was kind of the same. We were, you know, in line for the food truck with the players and the managers and it was a small kind of event. So you could literally like talk to someone from the stage to where the audience was sitting. Um, so I think that it's not necessarily just going to like international or somewhere like that, but like these small little events that happen, I think do pose a lot of great opportunities. Very cool. Um, is there anybody in esports that you kind of look up to or maybe even in the fashion industry, um, someone who's doing kind of interesting work or? Yeah, I think a lot of my idols are, you know, people who've built brands that really stand for something more than just apparel, um, as well as people who are like just as obsessed with technical apparel as I am. I mean, I think that's like Sarah Blakely, who's a female founder who's built Spanx from the ground up, um, or Chip Wilson, who, you know, was the founder of Lululemon. Um, even, you know, Phil Knight, the founder of Nike, I think that those people really took something that was maybe a weird idea at the time 
and they turned it into a movement and they really elevated the spaces they were in by, by what they were doing. Um, so I definitely look up to them. And I think there's a, a lot of people in gaming, especially a lot of amazing women behind the scenes who are doing really cool things to make our industry you know, run better and work better and all these things. And so I really look up to the people that aren't just, you know, the faces on the stage, but really working, you know, without the recognition in, in how hard they are um, to make our space better. What would you tell somebody who wants to get involved um, and gain experience? Like what options are available for someone trying to gain experience to do something maybe similar to what you've done? Oh, yeah, that, it's really, that's a hard question. Um, I think it just changes all the time. I think that the more you can kind of work on something, like if you have a great idea, you really want to make this t-shirt, um, the more you kind of make the t-shirt or you're going in Twitch chat to show people or you're doing something and you're focused just on that one thing, getting that into the world, I think it becomes a little bit easier than, oh, I want to create this big company and I want to do all these things, just kind of starting small and dedicated to that, I think really makes a big difference. Um, I think, you know, volunteering or doing any of those things to help get things off the ground, I know isn't an option for everyone, but is a great option um, for some. And then, I'm, I mean, it's, yeah, it's hard. I think there's, there is a lot of people in our industry who want to make it better and want to help and will you know, make intros for you and those kind of things that like really seeking those people out and being really thoughtful about how you interact with them and the questions you ask and what you ask of them, I think will really get someone far. I mean, if you, you go to Krista, who's a lawyer in the space and you say, hey, Krista, I have this law degree. I'm really interested in contract work for pro players. Um, can What's a resource I can use or something like that? I think when the questions are specific, it's easier for people to, you know, lend a hand. Um, but there's a lot of great people who want to help. Hmm. And you, uh, you went to school for fashion design, is that correct? I did. Yep. I have a bachelor's in fashion design. Awesome. And did you know, kind of going into uh, university, what you wanted to study? Or was it kind of like something you're like, well, I really like this, but I'm not sure if this is sustainable or like even a career option. Um, because I feel like there's a lot of kids who uh, who find themselves in a position where they're kind of pressured to go to, you know, like university or go uh, to figure themselves out, right? You're 18, your parents are like, oh, figure yourself out. Figure the rest of your life out. Mm -hmm. um, I was one of the people who had no clue what I wanted to do. Um, I didn't really know all the options, and I felt like it took me much longer to kind of find my, my path than, um, than just say, like, oh, I knew from the start. Um, are there any tips uh, or is there anything... Um, from your own experience that you could say to people who are not quite sure where to start or what, what they want to do? Yeah, I definitely, I was kind of the opposite. I totally knew what I wanted to do. I think I didn't know if it was the school I wanted to go to or the city I wanted to live in, but I knew that I wanted to study fashion design. So it, when I was in high school, I then found a summer program at the university it was a month-long program, kind of immersive, um, and I begged my parents, and they let me go. And so I spent a month basically at the school, and I really learned that it was the place for me. I really enjoyed the work. I liked the people. Um, 
And that was really impactful. I mean, I don't know if I would have gone to that school without having that experience. Um, so finding, you know, trial programs like that, I think the U.S. is pretty good with doing things like that. Um, and then, I mean, my brother kind of also works in fashion design, which is funny, but he's had a really different path than I have. He took years off from college, like after high school, he took breaks, he worked at a ski slope. He then took, you know, a six month program and worked a bit more and figured out more what he liked and then took another more specialized program. So his path has been a lot more kind of winding than mine, but I think he's really, it's allowed him to really deeply focus on what's important to him um, rather than just jumping into, you know, just going to college because, um, you know, you've turned 18 and it's time to go theoretically. Yeah, that's nice. That's uh, that's nice to see, you know, both ends of that um, spectrum, kind of the different, you don't have to necessarily be super sure of what you want to do, but um, you, that certainly is a great possibility. Um, and then if you happen to not be, though, you, there's still, you'll find your way. And it's a nice... Yeah, I think the gap here is, like, in Canada, at least where I'm from, that's really normal to take time off. Like, it's almost abnormal to go straight to to university, at least where I'm from. Um, I think the gap years are really important. If you go become a nanny or you go live in a foreign country or you work on a ski soap, even if it's not directly related to what you want to do, I think you just learn a lot about yourself and, and the world. Um, so I think it's great when people take gap years. I absolutely agree with you. I think it's, it's a great thing. Uh, I did not take one uh, going into college. I went straight to university, but I took I took one in the middle of my university. So I was like, I'm going to take a break for a year. I'm going to go uh, live in the mountains. I moved to Breckenridge, Colorado, spent a year snowboarding and working in a pharmacy, and then uh, went back and finished school right after that year and uh, and done more traveling as well. And it's interesting you say um, how, you know, it's it's common for people to take that gap year in Canada. Every, just about everywhere I traveled to, it was very common also. But in the States, it seems to not be so commonplace. Although I think... We're moving towards a place where it will be more, um, more accepted or more um, understood as like an opportunity or a, something that people can actually do. Um, I yeah, guess I hope so too. Some people think, think it might be like of kind of like a privilege thing, but it's it's really kind of a necessity. I feel like um, figuring out the world, figuring out yourself. I think like in some ways it's it's less. It's a better idea to take your time and like spend your money then on university or your student loans when you're really sure than like going and spending a bunch of money, going to school, you're not quite sure if, you know, that's what you want to do. You come up with a degree you're not really that happy with. Um, so yeah, to me, it probably actually furthers you along more to take that time to really figure it out and explore a little bit. Is there anything you're working on right now for Ateo that's particularly, uh, you're particularly excited about? Um, we're working on relaunching our women's wear, which I'm really excited about because I love working with, you know, the amazing women in this space. And it, last time we just had so much fun doing it. Um, so I'm really excited for that. And I think we have some other products that we're working on that will be coming in 2021 um, that we've been working a really long time on too. So I'm excited to see kind of all the behind the scenes hard work come to fruition. Very cool. That'll be that'll be very cool to see. Um, do you have like a timeline of when that might be coming to fruition? I think we're planning on launching women's wear in March. 
Um, I think we have another product maybe coming a little bit sooner than that. But yes, hopefully sometimes this spring. Um, <laughs> manufacturing is just a little hard to, to pin down at the moment. So we're, we're doing our best to stay on the timeline. Yeah, I can, I can definitely imagine, especially in the current, uh, in the current world. But uh, all right, well, to sum it all up, um, maybe you would give me like a two or three minute max uh, summary of like how someone could maybe f follow in your footsteps or maybe not specifically in your footsteps, but how would somebody get involved or start a brand? If, you know, find an area you're extremely passionate about that like you feel like you know, you can be the best at the in the world at this one thing, no matter kind of how niche it is. And then I would do your research, work really hard to make that one thing your, your thing um, and talk to people, explain it, you know, really take in the feedback, um, take some risks and some chances and do some like really, you know, uncomfortable things to kind of get the word out whether that's public speaking or whatever kind of is outside of your comfort zone, I think pushing yourself is really important. Um, doing your best to, you know, join different communities and meet people and make friends. And then I think it's just from there, it's just a lot of perseverance and getting through the hard challenges and kind of keeping faith in what you're doing. Um, even when things are hard, I think really ends up paying off in the end. Awesome. Uh, great. Uh, well, I appreciate all the insight. Um, I'll have to ask, uh, do you have anything else to share? Like, is there anything else you would l think would be helpful to the listeners of the Working Esports podcast? Um, I think that gaming has a bit of a reputation for being, you know, hard to break into or insider, you know, like. I think that gaming is actually really welcoming and kind and you know, everyone is just doing their best to make the industry a better place. And so when people see that in, you know, another person, I think they're really excited to have them join. We're not trying to be exclusive. We want all of the great people to come in and make our industry even better. Um, so not to kind of, you know, be afraid of maybe some of the stereotypes people think of when they think of the gaming industry. Awesome. Um, well, thank you so much. Uh, where can people find you? Where can they find Ateo? Um, you can find me probably best places on Twitter. I'm Brianne HP. Um, you can find Ateo also on Twitter or our website is ateo.com. Um, I'm always answering emails and DMs on Discord. So you can find, you know, the Ateo Discord or um, DM me directly. I love to chat with different people. Um, but yeah, discord and Twitter is probably the best way to find me. Well, Brianne, thank you so much for, again, taking the time to chat with me today. It was really, uh, insightful, uh, talk and, uh, yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the work in esports podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please give us a follow and let us know who you might want to see next on the podcast. Thanks and see you next time.